0: And then I think there's another issue, a compounding issue, which is incredibly controversial and that's basically not talked about at all. Welcome back to part two of No Dumb Gymnastics Questions. My name is Kinsley, and I'm the host of Neutral Deductions, a podcast all about men's gymnastics. Thank you to everyone who has been submitting in questions. I'm loving answering these, and if you missed part one, I will link it here in the show below so that you can catch up and watch that. The first question that we're going to answer is, to put it nicely, how come U.S. MAG teams aren't as successful as U.S. WAG? MAG has had very talented gymnasts over the years but has always had and has always had the capabilities to do well internationally, but they fail to do so. Is it the national team training camps, or there? Is it more competitive across different countries? countries compared to WAG? Are they not prepared when big competitions start? Do they peak too early? Is it funding? What is it? So this is a really, really complicated and complex issue that, of course, the U.S. Men's Program has been trying to address for many, many years. And I think, you know, the culmination was sort of in the 2020 Olympics where they didn't bring home a medal, and it was the first time they hadn't brought home a medal in like 20 years, I think, from an Olympic Games. And I think the issue is multifaceted. And a lot of what I'm going to say is probably going to be controversial, so just know that. But these are are my opinions and why the US Men's program hasn't been successful. So I think part of the reason that they haven't been able to keep up with China and Japan and Russia competitively in terms of difficulty score is because of the timing of the NCAA season. The NCAA season runs from sort of the end of December is when they have their interest squad competitions all the way through April. And in a normal year, typically they're starting to look at national qualifiers in June or nationals themselves in June. And then they have a little bit of time off gearing up, for nationals and then the olympic games or the world or whatever is happening that year and it doesn't leave a ton of time to upgrade and with the change to the ncaa season so it used to be it was six up five count and now at the ncaa championships it's five at five count so you want to have more consistent routines and i think it leaves a little bit less room for gymnasts to be able to increase their difficulty score and then of course it's a really long season and A lot of gymnasts need or want a break, understandably. And then they have to get right back into routines for the elite season, which goes till the end of October. And again, there's just a short amount of time off between the end of elite season and the start of NCAA season. So I think if the NCAA could change their season, uh, the timing of their season, I actually think it would help male gymnasts have more time to upgrade their routines. I think another huge issue has been funding the so for women's gymnastics you can be successful earlier than in men's gymnastics. And we're not talking about um, athletes who were like forced to do skills and routines earlier than they should have been. It's just that for men's gymnastics, specifically with ring strength, you can't really get good at rings until you go through puberty. And for women, you can be successful in gymnastics before you go through puberty. Now, again, whether or not that's healthy or the right decision is, of course, a different story but the fact is that you can be more successful there than before men's and so when you have men's gymnastics right they are typically going to be start to be more successful as they're entering the collegiate years and then thereafter but the problem is there's no professional league there's not a way to get funding aside from being on national team In the U.S. Men's Program, you have to remake national team every six months, so there's no stability for you to be on national team. And if you have a really bad competition, or you're sick, or your petition didn't go through because you're injured, you don't have funding for six months. And so I know for a fact that some Olympians who didn't make national team were door dashing full-time and trying to train full-time in order to make the Olympic team. And it's like... (sighs) it's sort of a catch-22, right? Do you, do you wanna give people more opportunities to make national team, or do you wanna provide them more security? And there have certainly been people who have taken advantage of sitting on national team for years and not being able to compete, and so you don't want that to happen, but you also wanna be able to fund great people like Brody Malone who got injured on assignment and who need that funding to keep training. And so that's sort of what the EVO men's gymnastics program has been trying to do is to pay people a livable wage, both coaches and athletes, so that they're able to train once they leave the security of the NCAA system. Now, all of this being said, Men's gymnastics is more competitive, in my opinion, across more countries than women's gymnastics. Um, a part of that is because of pommel horse. You don't need very much to train pommel horse at the base at the base layer, and you can you have people who have trained pommel horse in their backyards. But you can't really train floor or an even bars in your backyard. So I think that contributes it because countries who don't have as much money can have really successful athletes on pommel horse. And then I think there's another issue, a compounding issue, which is incredibly controversial and that's basically not talked about at all. And that's that the U.S. men's program does not use the best judges on the floor. And it's a really, really big problem. And there are judges on the floor who are not allowed to judge NCAA championships but who are judging our Olympic trials? We do not have the highest-rated judges on the floor at national and Olympic trials, and that's because of, uh, you know, an old boys old boy system, and people choosing their friends over people who are more qualified. And I think if the athletes and the parents knew how big of a problem that this was, that there would be an uproar. There are people who are judging. Um, even like auxiliary and whatnot who are nationally rated judges, which to become a nationally rated judge in the US, you only have to take an open book test. That's it. Um, I was a nationally rated judge um, in previous years. You just have to know where to find the answers versus a Brevet judge, which is a very, very intensive test, which means if you get a certain rating for Brevet judging that you can judge at the World Championships and Olympics. And there are, we have in this country over 70 Brevet judges. There is not a lack. We have more than any other country in the world. And instead of utilizing all of the Brevet judges from number one, like category one, category two, category three, and so on, there are national judges who are sitting on the floor and people, we have category two and category three judges who are not being used for Olympic trials uh, when we have category four judges being used instead. And I think that this is a massive problem because the U.S. men's program is moving towards selecting a team simply by the numbers, which I think is good in, in many ways. But if you don't have the best judges on the floor uh, who are able and capable of giving the most accurate scores, then you don't actually have the best team necessarily being selected because the best judges aren't the ones who are doing the selecting. So if it were me, if I was in charge of the men's program, I would do a massive, massive, Overhaul of the judging selection process, and I would make sure that I had the best judges on the floor selecting the best team to go to the World and Olympic Games. Okay. The next question, what are the composition requirements on each event for a 10-0 start value? So in men's gymnastics, we don't have 10-0 start values. This is different than women's NCAA. So we use the elite scoring system. And right now for NCAA gymnastics and for elite gymnastics, that means you have 10 skills. And then you have to have at least one skill from each of the different four required Um, boxes or element groups. Of course, vault is an exception to that. And then you're able to build a difficulty score. So often in men's gymnastics, we're going to see difficulty scores in the high fives and sixes at the really, really high level. Uh, The next question is, can you please explain men's collegiate gymnastics leagues? NCAA, gym act, what is the difference? Okay, so NCAA, there are 15 NCAA teams. And for men's gymnastics it's a little bit confusing because you have NCAA Division 1 teams and Division 3 teams and they compete in the exact same division because there are just so few teams. So an example of a Division 1 team is University of Michigan and an example of a Division 3 team would be Greenville. So even though they are different divisions, they still compete in the exact same championships. Gym Act was created in the late 2010s, like 2018 around there. And they also have 15 teams, but they compete under a modified system. So they only have eight scoring eight counting elements in their routine. So their scores are a little bit lower, even though we have amazing gymnasts in gym act. So Minnesota used to be an NCAA program. They're now a gym act program. They still have a lot of top talent. ASU has a lot of really excellent talent as a gym act program, but they just compete under a different system. And then you have NAIGC and NAIGC are the club teams. So when I was at the University of Michigan, I was on the club team that competed under NAIGC rules. And in NAIGC, they have like three divisions, so you can compete with um, based on your skill level. So you have anyone from like beginners to former level 10s who are competing and there are different CODA points. And then with NAIGC, you can actually compete like men's or women's regardless of gender. You can compete trampoline. It's a it's a really, really great program. And then they also have a national championships in April as well. Okay, The final question today is about the 2004 Olympics. So someone said, why is there any controversy over the gold medal at all? They're specifically referring to the gold medal that Paul Han won. The South Korean gymnast didn't inquire about his parallel bar score until after the fact. Therefore, it didn't matter if the judges had made a mistake during the event. Aren't score inquiries supposed to be made before the apparatus has been completed? If so, Paul Hamm should have never gotten a letter asking to give his gold medal back. Please explain why Paul Hom had to go to Switzerland two months after the 2004 Olympics to fight to keep his gold medal. Okay. Um, the question basically answered itself, and that is true that any petition um, has to be put in before the event has ended and unfortunately uh, the gymnast from South Korea did not or his coach did not put in a petition at the correct time and so Paul Hom ended up with the highest score of the meet. So this is not controversial in the in the sense that the rules were not followed and so the result was Paul Hom had the highest score at the end of the all-around final. Now This was not the only controversy that happened in 2004, and I think a lot of people don't know about the other two main controversies, or at least they're not as well known. So one of them happened during the vault final, where uh, Kyle Schufeld and Marian Dragulescu were competing. And on day one of event finals, uh, Kyle Schufeld and Marian Dragulescu had tied for the top score on floor, but Kyle won from a, uh, um, a tiebreaker. And then the next day they were both in vault finals and Marion Dragalescu fell on his vault and he got a score of a 9-5. Well, a fall at that point was a half a point. And so basically he got an impossible score because they were saying there were no other deductions on this vault. Kyle Schufelt had a big step to the side and he got, an, I think it was a 9 5 And there's just no way that Dragolescu should have outscored um, Kyle Schufelt, and that was for the third place podium place. And so Canada put in an inquiry, and the head of the inquiries, I believe, was Romanian, and it got rejected. And it's hugely controversial, and it's wrong, and that bronze medal should have been Kyle (laughs) Schufelt. But alas, um, there were some problems with integrity at that Olympics, and unfortunately, Kyle was left in fourth place. And then the other big controversy that happened with the men's side was on high bar final. So Alexei Nemov, who is one of the greatest gymnasts of all times, went up and did his high bar routine and his score when it popped up, I want to say it was, I want to say it was a 9.75, but I'll have to double check. And he went up... Um, and his score put him in third place and there were still several athletes to go and the crowd lost their mind I I want to say like 10 close to 10 minutes straight um, people were screaming and yelling and so the judges actually changed his score and I think moved it to a 9762 and there was no reason for that score to be changed and no one really knows to this day why and or how it was changed. It still wasn't enough for the, for a medal. It didn't change the results. But that's a little bit about what happened in the 2004 Olympic controversies. And this has been a huge push for why we have the open-ended code in 2006 onward. So that's it for Nodam Gymnastics questions. If you have a gymnastics questions, you can email me at neutraldeductions at gmail.com or you can leave a comment here on YouTube or there is a Google sheet floating around that you can put questions in. If you would just take a moment, like, and subscribe to this video, it really helps us out. We're at 920 subscribers. We're desperately trying to get to a thousand. So please share this with your friends. Please subscribe. And that's it for today.